Good morning, church. How you doing? All right. Everybody online, welcome. Uh, as Kenneth said, um, my name is Corey, and I think I'm the only pastor in the country to be uh, hired as a student pastor in the middle of a global pandemic. And so, um, man, I'm excited to meet you guys. I'm trying to remember people by their eyes, and so it's really hard. But, um, but man, I'm excited to be here, and so I'm super thankful for the opportunity to come this morning and, and study the Word together. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, kids in the room, I'd encourage you. I know Kenneth gets all these cool drawings, and so I want some too. And so if you're a kid, uh, man, I would encourage you. You can draw a picture of what you hear in the message today. Man, I'm super excited and super thankful um, that the kids are here with us. And uh, um, yeah, and I'm super excited for adults that you guys can take notes too. So there'll be notes in our Westwood app and encourage you to write down um, anything you hear as well as we, and as we go through the word and study because statistics, statistics would show that you forget 94% of things that you do not write down. And so um, I encourage you to write things down and, and you can go in the app. But before I get into the message, um, can I do this real quick? I know we just prayed, but I'd like to for, ask selfishly for you guys to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you guys this morning. Okay, real quick. Let's pray. Um, I just pray that you guys would ask that I would be able to clearly communicate um, what God is trying to teach you this morning. And God, I pray for those in this room and those watching online, God, that they would have open hearts, ready to hear what it is um, that you would have them here this morning. God, that we wouldn't just come in here um, and, man, be excited for um, a message or um, fuel for a day, God, but that we would be able to um, apply this to our lives, that our, your scripture would change our hearts. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning. And as you're turning there, I want to ask you guys a question. I know that, believe it or not, October is right around the corner um, with Halloween, and those Halloween stores are popping up. And um, I, I want to ask and just ask you guys, how many of y'all like enjoy, actually enjoy scary movies? Not me. I'm not into that. What about like, um, you know, you have scary movies, haunted houses, anybody that enjoys that? It was crazy. I was watching an episode of Shark Tank, if you've ever seen the show Shark Tank, and there was a lady that pitched a million-dollar business, and what you do is you camp out for nights, and people scare you all night long. That is terrifying to me. I don't get it why people pay money, and this, this was a huge business. Um, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me, but the, you know, there's a lot of weird fears out there. Some of you guys might have some weird fears, and so I'm going to ask Doug, our minister of magnification in the back. He's going to put some of these weird fears up. This is globophobia, is the fear of balloons. Globophobia. People really have this. There is somnophobia, which is the fear of sleep. People afraid of sleep. I love sleep. I don't have this fear. There's a fear called anatideophobia, and that is the fear of ducks. Somebody, maybe you've been scarred as a child. Maybe you have this one. Okay. There is one called sedonglophobia, and that is the fear of cotton balls. <laughs> Straight up. I don't know what it is, but people got it. Okay. They, uh, I'm thankful my wife doesn't have with this one. This is pagonophobia, the fear of beards. Okay. <laughs> my wife doesn't have this one. I'm thankful. Okay. That's good. There's one called compoundophobia, which is the fear of buttons. Okay. They love zippers maybe, but buttons, no way. Get out of here. Right. And this is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is, listen, hippomonstrosusquipidaliophobia is the fear of long words. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Maybe, uh, maybe you have some childhood fears. Anybody scared of spiders? No. Okay. What about in, in the 90s, there was this show. How about anybody afraid of the dark? 
Are You Afraid of the Dark? My 90s kids with me. This show came on at 5.30 Eastern, right before dinner. It was awesome. What about the fear of flying? Anybody? Fear of flying? What about claustrophobia, the fear of tight spaces? Ooh, okay. What about snakes? Hello. If, any, if, it's, if Indiana Jones is scared of snakes, that's cool. I can, you can be scared of snakes, okay? What about clowns? No, sir. Something, something about it. Okay, what about what I'm doing right now, public speaking? If I asked you to come up here, you'd be super scared, terrified. Okay, what about this one, needles? Ooh, mm-mm, nope, nope. Okay, what about this one, heights? If you see that's a guy's feet, heights, woo! Makes you get a little nervous. And then maybe this is from my middle school boys talking to girls. How about that? Anybody? Scared to death, right? Okay, maybe that was you, maybe you've grown out of it. Um, but I want to show you, this is a picture of me. This is fourth grade Corey. Check me out. Hey, zipper, zipper polos were in back in 1999, okay? I had a good flow. Um, and so, this is before braces as well. And so, uh, man, th- I want to tell you about this kid. When I was 10 years old, I had two legitimate fears. Um, one was unrealistic and one was realistic. But the unrealistic one, uh, the fear that I thought was going to be a lot more problematic that actually hasn't ever showed him up, up in my life is this, ninjas. <laughs> I seriously thought, I, no joke, I was scared to death of ninjas that they were real and they were coming to kidnap me. And it was because I watched movies like this. I watched the three ninjas, Rocky, Colton, Tum Tum, okay, three brothers. I have two, I have an older brother and a younger brother. They were kidnapped by ninjas, and it was a Disney movie, right? Surf Ninjas is another one. All the movies I watched in the 90s were about ninjas kidnapping kids. And so there was also my favorite arcade game, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they were fighting, and there was the foot and everything. And so as a kid, I remember thinking that ninjas were going to be a really big deal. That was my unrealistic fear. But honestly, my true fear as a kid was this, was a house fire. And I blame the G.I. Joes for this fear. If you, if you were a kid in the 90s like I was, and you'd watch Saturday morning cartoons, you'd watch Captain Planet, then you'd watch X-Men, and then you would watch the G.I. Joes. And my favorite G.I. Joe was this guy. His name is Barbecue. And Barbecue had a flamethrower, and he was super cool, and he was like a fireman with an ax. And at the end of every G.I. Joe episode, they would give you a public service announcement. So they would say, hey, listen, now you know, and knowing is half the battle, right? If you remember this. And it'd be something crazy. Like, don't jump your bike over down power lines. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. But this one, it said, if you ever have a house fire, you need to put the back of your hand on the door. And if it's hot, you need to have a rope ladder if you live on the second story of your house to throw out your window and climb down to safety. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And I told my parents, I said, mom, dad, I live on the second story. I need a rope ladder. And my dad said, no, you don't get one. And so I didn't get a rope ladder. I was terrified that if our house ever burned down, that I would be stuck in cotton net. And that was a legit fear. And so this morning, we're going to talk about fear. And you might say, Corey, why are we talking about fear? It's because the Bible talks about fear 365 times. You can read a message that says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, do not fear. A verse a day for the entire year, you could read and hear, do not fear. And so that's why we're going to talk about it this morning. This is something that all of us can relate to in some ways. Fear is not something that you grow out of when you, after your childhood, your fears may change, but all of us struggle um, with fear. And so if you look with me in Matthew chapter 14, let me give you some context is that Jesus has just fed um, 5,000 and we're going to pick up right in the middle of the story 
in that. So we're going to start in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. It says this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately spoke to them and said, have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And so to recap what just happened, right, you have grown men, grown men, the disciples in a boat, they're safe space, they're fishermen, they know what they're doing, and grown men absolutely terrified. Jesus comes to them early in the morning. It's anywhere between 3 and 6 a.m., Some of your, if you read the footnotes in your Bible. Early in the morning, they're groggy, right? They have no idea what's going on. I don't know if maybe some of you parents can relate. When you're in the middle of the night, maybe a kid is like five inches from your face, and it's like, Dad, you know, like, scares you to death, right? The disciples are terrified. And so the question this morning for us, Westwood, is, I mean, what are you afraid of? Honestly, truly. If you look inside, what terrifies you? Um, and I want to walk through some of those. I want to kind of give an image to what this is. And so maybe there's something that is like this. Number one is the fear of failure. Honestly, as a student pastor, this is one that I get um, a lot of with students. Ask a student. Ask them if they feel pressured that they have to be perfect. Pressure to succeed and not fail in the sport they play, in the instrument they play, in their grades. And I think sometimes we never grow out of that. I think there's a lot of us. Maybe that looks like um, for you and your job. Um, but this pressure to be perfect, that I won't even attempt what's in front of me because I'm scared that I could fail at it. And this is a type of anxiety that shows up in our home. It shows up in our parenting. This fear is paralyzing. Westwood may not be a place of perfect people, but of broken people. May that when we come in these doors, people see people that have failed, that have messed up, that have made mistakes, but God in his grace can take our broken pieces of our life and make a mosaic of a masterpiece. May that be who we are. Romans 12, 9, Paul says, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more in my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. The fear of failure. Maybe there's one of this one. Maybe it's the fear of, of being alone. I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe you say that you struggle with this, or maybe you say that you wouldn't, but this isn't like an extrovert, introvert thing. This isn't like a thing of like, oh, I like being alone. I'm an introvert. No, no, no. This is, this looks like when your kids move away and you become empty nesters and you don't know who's in the bed next to you and your spouse, that kind of fear. This is 
a fear of those who are single, maybe in the room or watching online, that have the fear that I'll never find a spouse and I'll always be alone. This is a fear that might manifest itself and, man, there may be one day that I might lose my spouse. Maybe some of you guys are in those situations right now. Um, or you will be soon and it terrifies you. Let me encourage you with Psalm 56, verses three through four. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Maybe there's a fear of commitment. Maybe there's a fear of commitment that you struggle with. Number three, commitment. Maybe this looks like in your relationships, Maybe this looks like a fear of what the Lord's will is for your life. You've heard the voice of the Lord telling you, hey, this is where I'm guiding you, directing you, and you're scared to death to commit to that. I want to encourage you with this. It says, 1 John 4, 18, says, there is no fear in love, but instead, perfect love drives out fear. Maybe it's the fear of commitment. Number four is the fear of abandonment. The fear of abandonment. And this is different than being alone. This is, maybe this has happened to you in your past and you're scared that it's going to happen to you again. Um, It's the thought of being left. I know there are people in the room this size and those online that might have some deep scars from this. Maybe physically being abandoned, maybe mentally, emotionally being abandoned. And you have that true fear. Let me encourage you with Psalm 118. It says, I called to the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and he put me in a spacious place. The Lord is for me. I will not be afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? The Lord is my helper. Therefore, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. Psalm 118. Maybe there's a a fear of of pain, number five, a fear of pain. This is something that I think I've struggled with. Maybe you've struggled with. Um, not just physical pain, emotional pain, heartbreak. Adversity is knocked on probably every single one of your door. If I had said, hey, tell me a story about a time when you experienced pain, probably all of you guys could tell me. A time when you have struggled and had pain in your life with whatever that looks like. Grieving through the death of a loved one, when doctors give you a report that you don't want to hear, a friendship that was lost, and you're scared to death that that pain is going to come back and show up. Let me encourage you with Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. It says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, no, it says when, doesn't say if. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, again, when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, and the flame will not burn you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. Number six, Maybe there's a fear of divorce. Maybe there's a fear of divorce. Relationships and marriages in crisis. Maybe you can think of a time when, when you've, this has touched your family. Maybe you've walked through this. Maybe you know a friend that's walked through this. I think it's safe to say that all of us would maybe know someone that has experienced this kind of pain. And maybe it's touched their families. Maybe you come from a broken home and you're scared to death that that will happen to you as well. 
Let me encourage you with Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Number seven is the fear of the future. The unknown. This is the idea that control is an illusion. Nobody knows what's going to happen next that we plan and we plan and we try to set up for our futures. And there is wisdom in that, but this is that, man, that I'm thankful that God is in control, that we have the fear of the future. Joshua 1.9 says this, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Fear of the future. Number eight is this, is the fear of death. Ooh, Heavy, right? Maybe at some point it's come through your head. Maybe it said, hey, is all this stuff worth it? Do I really believe this? When I'm on my deathbed, what am I going to be saying? When will I die? How will I die? This is an underlying fear in our world today, right? That even now in this pandemic, like every media outlet we see is preying on this fear of death. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, a frightened world needs a fearless church. A frightened world needs a fearless church. And know that I mean this respectfully. I know you may know someone that has died of coronavirus or something like that. It is for real. As someone that has had it, no joke, is for real. Like Conor McGregor punching the kidneys, pool water up your nose all day, right? It is no joke. But Notice, let me hear me say this, church. This is good. Hear it. We are to be fearless in this, not careless. Does that make sense? We are to be fearless in this pandemic as believers in Christ, not careless. We love our neighbors through wearing masks, through social distancing and things like that, but we are still to be fearless. Let me encourage you, Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Number nine is the fear of rejection. Mm. High schoolers are like, yeah, when I asked that girl to prom, no doubt. Maybe this is something socially that your friend group that you surrounded yourself with is something that is that fear of rejection is causing you to fall into sin maybe for the believer your biggest fear is actually sharing your faith with someone i love this this is um an idea that francis chan came up with about just sharing your faith and this fear of rejection that we have as believers when we share our faith and it's the idea of the holy huddle right a lot of times we come in sunday mornings sunday mornings and we think like hey, this is a great time and we're going to holy huddle it up. We're going to holy huddle. We're going to talk about it. And to use my one football illustration I'm allowed to because we're in Alabama, right? I'm going to use a football illustration and it's this. My favorite football player is Ben Roethlisberger for the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? And so we'll use him for just because he's my favorite. So imagine this. Imagine in a perfect world you get to watch sports, right? Maybe you're in the crowd. That'd be awesome, right? But you can think of that, but you think of watching a sports team play and Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, walks out and he puts his head to his ear and he hears in his headpiece the offensive coordinator call the play. And he goes and he huddles up with his team. He's like, hey, rip, strong eye left, ISO 44. Rip, strong eye left, ISO 44. Ready, break. And then he goes and he's like, blue, 59, razor, motion, motion. 
and he just stands there. And the play clock's running out, and you're like, is he going to snap the ball? And then delay of game happens, and he's like, all right, that was cool. All right, that was a good play call, though. We didn't start it, but good play call. And then he goes back, and he goes back to the huddle, and he's like, guys, here we go. I got, I got a better play call. And he calls another play call, goes back up, to the, goes back up never calls a play. Westwood, what we're doing on Sunday mornings is not just a holy huddle. We're saying run the play. Does that make sense? Run the play. The, the play this morning is do not fear. Share the gospel with someone. A lot of times we say, man, we go to church and we say, that was an incredible play call, Kenneth. Ooh, I love that. Mm, what a play call. We're on the car ride home. Do you see that play call? I think that's, that's going to score. Like, that's an awesome play call. Can't wait to hear a play call next Sunday. Hello. Resonate with anybody? Resonates with me. Westwood, I pray that we would not be afraid of rejection because they are not rejecting you, they are rejecting Christ. And I pray that you would just be bold and that you would be obedient in sharing the gospel and sharing your faith in that fear of rejection. Let me encourage you with Psalm 27, verses one through three. It says, the, light, uh, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army develops against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I still will be confident. Psalm 27, one through three. Lastly, maybe it's a, uh, a fear of responsibility, number 10. A fear of responsibility. I'll be honest, this one hit me, hits me really hard. As a student pastor, I feel weight and responsibility of teaching your students about, about Christ and who he is. This hit me the most, I think, on my wedding day. You might say, you're skater on your wedding day? Wedding day? Absolutely. Because <laughs> what happens, I don't know the last wedding you went to, but what happens is, is my wife, Missy, and I, we're standing and we were saying our vows. What happens is the pastor looks at my wife, Missy, and he says, Missy, do you promise to submit to Corey as the church submits to Christ. And some of you ladies are like, huh, I'll try, <laughs> right? It's not I do. It's like, mm, I'll try to submit, all right, okay? Maybe that's how it actually looks or actually felt. And then something crazy happens. And then they turn to me and the pastor marrying us said, Corey, do you promise to love Missy like Christ loves the church? <sighs> that weight and that responsibility, that fear. Because <laughs> church, Christ died for his church. And from that point on, I have to lay down my life for my wife. Immense responsibility and fear. And so maybe that's something for you as a husband or a father, as a wife or a mother, as an employee or a boss the responsibility you have just weighs you down. Let me encourage you with John fourteen twenty seven. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And so when you look at this, when you look at this tower of fears, maybe you resonate with all of them. Look at this. Y'all are like, we let the youth pastor preach one time. It'll be all right, I promise. But when you look at this, and you look at these different fears, and you look at all this stuff that can just build up and build up, 
what Christ says, and when he looks at this, he's like, listen, you're afraid of divorce? Well, like, marriage is a picture of how I love the church, and I never divorced my church. You're, you're afraid of death? Man, I defeated death on the cross. And you're a fear of, of failure? Man, I've never failed. I lived a perfect life so that you don't have to. He says, listen, like, you're afraid of pain? I took your pain. He says, man, your fear of rejection? I have been rejected for you. He says, your fear of abandonment? I promise I will never leave or forsake you. He says, your fear of being alone? I am with you always. He says, man, your fear of the future? I hold the future in my hands. And your fear of commitment, I committed to you before you ever committed to me. And he looks at this and he says, do not fear. Do not fear. And so <laughs> that's a lot easier said than done, right? I think if we think about it, sure, Corey, you told me do not fear. How? Jesus answers it. Look in verse 25 or verse 27. He says, have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Really simple, have courage. The opposite of fear is courage. Just like in the Wizard of Oz, the cowardly lion who's a big scaredy cat, right? He's given a badge of courage. And hear this, Westwood, this is good. This has got Chick-fil-A sauce on it, so good. Okay, <laughs> hear me say it. We do not take courage in our own ability. Our courage is given to us, just like the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. Our courage is given to us because of our Savior and the responsibility that he took on the cross for us. That is where we take our courage from. Our courage comes from Jesus. He doesn't say, take courage, disciples, keep rowing. He doesn't say, take courage, disciples, stop being sissies. Hey, take courage, disciples, y'all got it. No, he says, take courage. And then in five letters, he says something so profound. He says, it is I. That wipes away the disciples' fear. Maybe you've thought about this of, you can remember a time when you were a kid, maybe the time when you, let's go back, however many years that is, of maybe the first couple nights you slept without a nightlight. Maybe you can think of that. And it's, it's dark, and you're trying to fall asleep. And then you hear something ruffle in your house or in your room, and you spring out of bed, and you're like, who's it, who is it? And then what happened? I mean, this happened to me as a kid. And then you hear the voice of your parents, your mom, your dad. My dad would say, hey, it's me. My fear washed away because I knew the voice of my father. Question, Westwood, those online. Do you know what the voice of Jesus sounds like? In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of your fear, do you know what the voice of your heavenly father sounds like? That's heavy. That's heavy this morning. When you do, you are, when you are in a relationship with him, your fear can be gone. As the story goes on, Peter's relationship with him, he has so much courage, he jumps out of the boat. 
That's what's about to happen. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Westwood, when fear comes, you do not look inward, but you look upward. Because Jesus says, it is I. Because Jesus says, it is I. You can say, I do not fear.